Supposed to slide coming home, not leaving home. Go for it! Here's an interesting way to claim your spot on the beach. Yeah. It's small, it's lightweight. Now I'll show you a couple different exercises you can do, starting with the shoulders. All you need to do is stand on the resistance band. on your shoulders. You can even do bicep curls. Oh, 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 God. oh goodness gracious. Shut it off. According to my calculations, time's up. Schadenfreude in German translates to English, hurt joy. It means that people have joy, some kind of sick joy, <laughs> in watching people get hurt. Isn't it crazy? I mean, America's Funniest Videos is probably the oldest show on TV. It's been on since, you know, Beaver Cleaver. It outlasted Beaver Cleaver. There's something whacked out about us that it's funny watching people get hurt. What is that? You know, the funny bone is only funny when it's not your bone. Are you with me? It's only funny watching someone stub their toe. Ooh, when it's not your toe. You can see this in action every single day on the highway. The term is called? Actually, I was thinking rubbernecking. But have you seen people rubbernecking? I mean, if there's an accident, everybody wants to look over there and say, how bad is it? I've been in an accident and people are like peeking. I'm like, stop staring at me. But there's something about it. It's called schadenfreude or hurt joy. There was a preacher in the Bible. I'm talking about last days today. This is part two of a series that we're in. Next week it will be part three. We're talking about the last days before Jesus comes back for his people, which could happen at any moment. You'll see it in a minute. But there was a preacher thousands of years ago. His name was Jonah. And he was possessed with schadenfreude. He was preaching to these people that if they didn't stop sinning, if they didn't get their life right, that God was going to destroy them Complete, just wipe them off the face of the earth. And so he went and preached the worst 
message that has ever been preached in the history of preaching. You think, have you ever been bored while somebody was preaching? <laughs> this morning uh, during the first service I asked the, that, the crowd the question I said have you ever been bored while the preacher is preaching and I looked in the back and there's this guy like this <laughs> I mean out cold I mean he was out I was bothering him there was no doubt about that but th there is this guy, regardless of how bored you've ever been listening to a preacher, the worst preacher you've ever heard of, this guy is worse. He shows up and says, turn from sin or you'll be judged. He goes on top of a mountain and sits there and waits. He wants to see God blow them to smithereens. He's sitting there. They turned from sin, and he was actually disappointed about it. He wanted to see them. He wanted to see s'mores. Schadenfreude. I've listened to people talk about the last days, and they seem to be kind of be excited about it. Have you ever met somebody like that? They're excited about the fact that Jesus is coming back and man, all the evil people are going to get smoked. Does anybody, am I alone on this? Just raise your hand. It's just like, it's like, man, God's coming back and he's going to smoke some people. <laughs> are you a whack? This is, this is not good. There was, in contrast, there was a preacher in the Bible named Jeremiah. And he would preach, they called him the weeping prophet, because he would cry as he spoke. This topic is by far one of the most important topics you will ever hear in your entire life. The topic in summary is that Jesus hung on a cross and he died for our sins. Then he rose again after he died. On the third day, he rose again. And then he walked around with people for 40 days, talking with them. Right before he ascended to heaven, he says, I'll be back. But while he was walking around with them for 40 days, Matthew chapter 24 was put together. And in Matthew chapter 24, read it when you get home. Don't read it right now. It's a robust list of all of the things that are going to take place right before Jesus comes back. The Bible says this, that he will come back in a twinkling of an eye like a thief in the night. Like a thief in the night. A thief does not tell you, hey man, between three and five when you're snoozing, I'm coming. That does not happen. Here's the thing. It comes like a thief in the night in a twinkling of an eye. And I just want to let you know, if you're not going to listen to any part of the rest of the sermon. Matthew chapter 24, the entire checklist for the first time in our history. Can you check every single box? Amen. 
Now, the moment Matthew 24 was written over 2,000 years ago, ever since then, there's always been four or five, six or seven things going on that were on that list. But this is the first time, the first time every single thing on the list has been checked. And I'm here to tell you that if you are waiting for the last second before you start getting serious about God, congratulations, you have made it. Because this is it. The scary thing is, is when you have waited this long, the Bible says that your heart can sear. And then you just don't even care. And you begin to think that everything that you're hearing is a joke and it's not even real. There once was a day you believed it was real, but you'll get serious about it some other time. Now, not only are you not going to get serious about it, but now you wonder if it's even real. And I hope today that while I'm talking that the Holy Spirit will touch your heart and remind you how much God loves you. Let me see if I can unpack a few thoughts. Uh, There are two streams that are taking place in parallel. And both streams are getting stronger and stronger. The first stream is a stream of righteousness. Righteous people are wanting to become more righteous. I believe most of you in this room fit into this category. You have a degree of righteousness, and I'm in this category, a degree of righteousness, but you wish you were even more righteous than what you are. Is there any, who am I talking to in this room? You, you You love the Lord, but you would like to be more in love with Him. You, you do like worship, but you would love to be in, in, in Bella. You would, you would just like to be consumed with him. And if you could control your passion like you control the volume on your radio, you would just go, wang. But it doesn't work like that, right? You can't just grab the volume button and go, Whoo, and then all of a sudden say, I want to love God more. Wang. doesn't work like that. But you and I want that to happen. You want to be passionate. And that is a stream of righteousness that is building stronger and stronger. And I just want to let you know, the only reason why you crave God is because He is causing you to crave Him. Let me give you an example. Let's just say you finish eating at a restaurant. You're done eating. And a waitress comes up with a tray full of desserts and sets the desserts out in front of you. And now you've got turtle, cheese cream cake, I don't know, um, lemon meringue pie, brownie bottom this, and, and, and mud bottom that. They come up with the craziest names. And, and they got this big tray of desserts and you're looking at it and you're like... Uh, and what's that one? Oh, tell me about that one. Oh, tell me about, oh my gosh. Oh, geez, tell me about that one. And, but 60 seconds ago, lemon meringue never even crossed your mind. 60 seconds ago, gelato didn't even cross your mind. The 60 seconds ago, uh, it, what else? Um, brownie. Brownie never crossed your mind. Who made it cross your mind? The waitress. The waitress brought it to your attention and what she was showing you caused your appetite for dessert to swell. 
the fact that you even have a desire, it might be this much, it might be this much. The fact that you even have a desire is the Holy Spirit coming right up to you and beginning to pull you towards himself. It's no accident that you're in this room. It's no accident that you came this morning. You might be saying, oh, I came this morning because that person right there dragged me. Yes, yes, but that, that was all part of God's plan to get you right here in the room, right here. Now you're saying that person that was nagging me this morning was a part of God's plan? Yeah. In Joel, in the book of Joel, chapter 3, verse 14, it says that multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision... For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. I just want to let you guys know, we all, in this room, we are in the valley of a decision. A decision has got to be made. And for that matter, if I could talk to everybody on the globe right now, I would say a decision has to be made. And the decision really has to be made on how much do we believe what we say we believe. I was reading about uh, this, this Baptist church in Mount Vernon, Texas. Um, across the street, there was this big, huge bar that was being built. And the Baptist preacher was not happy about it. So he went to his congregation and said, let's begin to pray and fast and petition to God that this place will get shut down. Lo and behold, lightning struck and caused a fire and the whole place burnt down to the ground. The owner of the bar sued the church. <laughs> brought it before the judge. The judge read the paperwork, brought the pastor to the judge. And the pastor said, yes, we did pray. But we really didn't think it was going to happen. So the judge said, hold on a second here. I got a Baptist that doesn't believe in prayer, and I got a bar owner that claims that prayer works. <laughs> Everyone is in that valley of decision. It's decision day. It's D-day. We have got to establish what we believe. Today's the day. Everyone say, today's the day. When in Matthew 24, there's a checklist of several things that are signs that, hey, when you see this sign, you are close. If I invite you to come to my house, I'm going to say, hey, there's a big willow tree on the corner in this schoolyard. When you see that willow tree, you take the next left. There are certain signs that you can see to know Jesus is coming. In Matthew 24, read it when you get home, there's a robust list. But I'm just going to hit six of them. Six warning flares, if you will. The first one I want to share with you is the fact that the earth, the globe, our planet is trembling. It's shaking. Um, it, let me read this to you. That uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 22, tech doesn't have this because I added it right before service. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The childbirth. Now, 
on the news, you can hear about global warming. We all need to buy electric cars and all this other kind of stuff. I'm just going to tell you that the human contribution to global warming is like a thimble. What is actually happening is that this is part of the signs. These are one of the signs. The Bible says that an angel, and I talked about this last week, will pour a vial of fire on the sun to cause the earth to warm. But the entire earth is beginning to groan like labor pains. Now, labor pains is a different, uh, is an interesting choice of words. Ladies, raise your hand if you've had a baby, if you've had a baby. Labor pains are interesting. Because if you have an, a, a contraction, it's almost kind of like, ooh, ah. Ugh. Is there any pregnant people here right now? Is there any pregnant? Yeah, there we go. Hey, hey, how far along are you? Six months. All right. So I'm no pro at this. I've had three. But right around that third trimester, it's like, ooh, ah, oh. You got to sit like this. It's uncomfortable, right? I used to look at Allie and she'd be on the front row watching me preach and she's like this. <laughs> and I'm looking at her, I'm like, what is wrong with you? And she's like, it's the only way I could get comfortable. And when she lays down at night, she's like, you know, I'm like, oh, are you okay? She's like, I've got a human being growing in my stomach. And that was nice compared to what she said when the baby was being born. But anyway. <laughs> so the, the primary way of knowing if the baby is about to be born is the contractions, the labor pains. And how do we know? This is what the doctor always says. Are you having contractions? Yes. How far apart are they? If they're an hour apart, turn on a movie. Don't even come in. In fact, if you come in, we're going to make you walk around the hospital. I've seen Allie walking around the hospital. And she was mad at me for not walking with her. But I was like, I told you one time, yeah, like I know everything, right? But now, if they're five minutes apart, now you start getting some nurses in the room. Three minutes apart, not a time for jokes. Two minutes apart, one minute apart, 60 seconds apart, eyes start rolling in the back of a head. <laughs> Allie told me things about me that I don't know that she remembers. <laughs> she talked about me, my mom, and my dad all in one sentence, and it was not pleasant. She squeezed me. Never mind. Anyway, we know a baby's about to take place, and the frequency and the intensity of the contraction. That's what the Bible is saying here. When the earth is having birth pains, the frequency and the intensity of the event. Just last year, just last year, 
there were so many natural disasters that I only picked out four because I don't need to prove it to you. I just need to refresh your memory. You already know that natural disasters are happening like crazy right now. Let me just, uh, for the sake of it, I'm going to read off just a few of them. There was a massive earthquake in April, 2000, uh, 20, April 25th, 2015, about a year ago. It killed 8,800 people in Nepal. 8,800 people. It damaged or destroyed nearly 900,000 buildings. Here's another one. In India, there was weeks of torrential rains in November caused the worst flooding in southern India city of Chennai, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, as seen in 100 years. At least 379 people died, including 54 in a neighboring state. The floods also destroyed 100,000 acres of crop worth almost $190 million. This is last year. Heat waves hit southern India. The floods came on the heels of one of India's longest heat waves in years, which claimed 2,000 lives. Temperatures climbed as high as 118 degrees. Here, let me read another one. This is, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the country in Africa, but listen to this. Let me find it. A flood hit, and there was 60,000 people drowned within the first three months of this flood that continued for longer than three months. Let me read another one. This is in Ethiopia. Rainfall caused crop failures to, and uh, in, in Ethiopia, I'm sorry I'm stumbling because I'm, I'm literally reading it off the internet right now, that in, in October there was 8.2 million people needed food assistance and as many as 350,000 children were suffering from malnutrition during that period. It, it is just constantly, we have people in our own church and some of you are sitting in this room are a few of them. You lost your homes just a few weeks ago. When we turn on the news and it says breaking news and it shows a natural disaster, we are not even alarmed anymore because it happens so often. I remember about five years ago, it was the first time I saw a wildfire in, in California. I stared at the TV probably, I don't even know how long I stared at it. Now when I see it, it's just another wildfire. Natural disasters, it's the frequency and the intensity. Watch this. This is May of this year. Watch what's happening to our oceans. It's unbelievable. May of this year. Uh, actually, let me back up. 20,000 earthquakes have been happening every single year, an average of 55 per day. Natural disasters, earthquakes, listen to what's happening to our oceans. In May 18th, 2016, 70 tons of fish died due to heavy rainfall in Vietnam. May 17th, 2016, tons of dead fish found around the waters in Germany. 
May 16th, 2016, one million heads of cattle died this year due to extreme weather in Mongolia. May the 9th, 9,000 birds dropped out of the sky due to a hailstorm in Utah. May the 8th, 2016, 2,000 pigs die from a disease in India. May the 5th, 2016, 40,000 tons of salmon, 8,000 tons of sardines washed up dead due to red tide in Chile. May the 2nd, 2016, obviously these dates aren't in order. I was just cutting and pasting them as I was finding them. 20 tons of fish. No, I'm sorry, 200 tons of fish found dead in the lake, uh, in a lake in Brazil. May 28th, 2016, 100 tons of clams died in Vietnam. April 25th, 65 tons of fish died in the waters of Cambodia. April 25th, 40 tons of fish died in India. This is my last one. May the 5th, 2016. 40 tons of salmon, 8,000 tons of sardines washed up dead. Here's what I'm telling you. That our earth, the planet, it was designed by God. God created every single thing in the universe. He backed up and made every planet. Stars. And in our planet that he made, right before I come back, is going to start shaking. And that's what's happening. Let me move uh, quickly. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about are war, wars and rumors of wars is in Matthew chapter 24. Let me show you this chart. It's fascinating. These are all of the, 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 the wars uh, the, the, the battles, uh, the, uh, the exchanges, these are the conflicts that are critical, but only to the United States. This is not a map reflecting all of the, 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 the battles and, and wars that are going on in the world with other nations. These are just battles that have to do with the United States, things that we have skin in the game. Watch this. The red areas are where United, the United States and that particular country are under a critical uh, engagement. Yellow is significant engagement, and green is limited engagement. But just look at the critical engagement. This is just the United States. This has nothing... This, I'm not putting up Israel and Palestine. I'm, I'm just showing the United States... Once again, this is a major sign. Christian martyrs, number three. I've got six of them. ISIS is beheading children and Christians so incredibly often. Put that, the, the Daily Mail, pull this off the internet. Look at all of those people that are kneeling before those, those soldiers. Four young Christians brutally beheaded by ISIS in Iraq for refusing to convert to Islam says a British biker. Can you believe this? This is happening all the time. What's scary to me personally is us on the Western world, we are very relaxed in our faith. We are very comfortable in our faith because this is not happening in our backyard. 
This is happening on the other side of the world. And so we're just being very, hey, it's not happening to me. I'm just telling you, the alarms are going off. It's equivalent to this. This building has 40,000 square feet. Imagine all over this building, the fire alarm is going off, but it's not going off in here. Are you with me? Here we go. Let me share uh, another uh, point. Sexual immorality. I'm going to spend just a few moments on this one. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressively, that in the latter times some shall depart. Everybody say depart. Depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Here's the thing. Sexual immorality has gone to a place that I didn't even realize existed. My, my cousin came to visit me last week. He lives in San Francisco. And evidently, there is a building in San Francisco that uh, a lot of filming of the porn films, pornography films, are filmed in this particular building. Evidently, it's a, it's a famous building. And I guess like three days a week, he's telling me this, you can buy tickets and walk through and see the famous scenes. I don't know what that means, but famous scenes. Now, they're not having sex right in front of them. They're not filming. But you pay and you walk through. He was going on to tell me that the bars in San Francisco or even the lifestyle in San Francisco, it's so common to have, uh, to be committed to one person, committed to one person, but have other lovers. And it's okay because they feel like, hey, I know I own her heart, so who she sleeps with is no big deal. It's just a physical action. That is a staple. He started telling me things that he saw because he went on the tour. He has no relationship with God. Never heard of Joel Osteen in his life. And I'm like, Joel? Joel's like Abraham Lincoln. How have you not heard of Joel? He's like, I don't know. I could have said that he was a quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks and he would have believed me. He had no clue. So he's telling me what's inside of this building. And I told him, I said, Marky, Mark, stop, stop, stop. I, I said, I can't unforget something. I don't want it in my head. And I don't even know if unforget was the right words. Unremember? Can I unremember? <laughs> I don't know. But I was like... You're freaking me out right now. I did not realize that the sexuality, the the fornication was so high. Now, watch this. This is unbelievable. Let me see if, okay, yeah. 14 countries have fully legalized homosexuality in marriage. Argentina, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, Iceland, Netherlands, Norway, Portugal, Spain, South Africa, Sweden, New Zealand, Uruguay, France, some parts of Mexico, and America... States are popping up like crazy. The transgender thing is becoming a staple. You can, there was a, I was watching TV the other day and it was promoting a show of these teenagers that are doing the transgender thing. It's like reality TV. I'm like, are you kidding me? I was in Target the other day and Luke asked to use the bathroom and I was like, I don't, you need to hold it. <laughs> Why? I'll tell you in like, I guess I'm going to have to tell you now. They're talking about it at school. Whatever I talk about in this room, just know it's rated G compared to what the middle schools are discussing. The middle schools. Here we go. The economic collapse. 
in Revelation chapter 18, verses 10 through 15, it says this. They will say, the fruit you longed for is gone from you. All the riches and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at torment. This is what it's saying. So many have given hours and hours and hours and years of their life toiling after this particular fruit. And in a moment, gone. Do you know I read in Forbes, uh, a Forbes article this morning, or no, it was yesterday morning, that after you exceed 50 hours in your work week, your level of production actually drops. It actually drops. You think you're doing good because you're at the office and you're working. It's dropped. It's dropped. You're, you're, doing, you're all of a sudden turned into a hamster on a wheel after 50 hours. I think uh, all the wives in the room are like, see? <laughs> and all the husbands are like, we'll be talking on Monday. Um, that's guy stuff, man. You don't say that kind of stuff. I understand. I understand. My wife is up on me all the time about it as well. But it's just a reality. What we are chasing is going to be gone. The great apostasy. In Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, watch this. Many will turn from the faith. Does anybody here know anybody who used to be passionate about God and now they appear to care less? Do you know anybody like that? That their lifestyle is so deep into what they once knew was wrong, but now they're deep in it and they seem to not care. That is called, that is called the last apostasy, the last falling away. That should be so scary to realize that you're the person. That must be so scary. The person that you had in mind when you raised your hand, like I'm thinking of that person right now, if they could hear the sound of my voice, to realize I'm that person. That's me. I am the last falling away. So the Lord is saying this. All these signs are going to happen. The earth is going to tremble. Wars are going to be taking place. Oh, and people that used to worship me. Their lips will be close to me, but their hearts will be far from me. And they'll stand before me and they'll say, I never knew you. And they will say back to me, I rebuked demons in your name. They knew the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, I never knew you. People just walking away. Sitting in this room, getting a star on the attendance chart, but could care less. If I'm talking to anybody in this room, I want you to hear my heart. That God is not mad and he's not disappointed. The Bible says that his anger is for a moment, but his love lasts for a lifetime. When I watch my son spill milk on the counter, I'm like, Luke! But he's my son. It's always going to be my son. I'm never going to let that boy go. He is my boy. So my anger is like, Luke, how many times are you going to do that? But my love for him is forever. He loves you beyond what my verbiage can express. He loves you so much. And he does not ever expect you to be perfect. He just wants the trend 
and direction of your life to be going towards him. Now, let me say this. There has been seasons, and I guess God allowed me to go through these seasons just so I could talk about them today. But in my junior and senior year in high school, my freshman year in college, I would pray this prayer that I'm telling you right now. Dear God, you know I want to go do that so bad. I know you don't want me to, but I want to so bad. You're going to have to, these are my exact words, rewire my heart. I need you to, re I want what you don't want me to want. In the last great apostasy where believers are just kind of careless, they're in the seat of comfort. There has to be some preacher has got to say to you, wake yourself up. Wake yourself up. Come to your senses. Shake yourself and tell the Lord, I need you to touch my heart because I could care less about you and everything about you. And this is scaring me. And let me encourage you, if you could care less, keep coming in here because the Holy Spirit will seep into your bones. It will seep into your bones. I'm going to skip some of the stuff that I covered in the first service because um, I feel the Lord's doing something different in this service. There's a seat of comfort that people sit in in these last days. They're just spiritually comfortable. And then there's a seat of uncomfort where you just constantly want more of him. You, you, you might have this much, but you want this much. You might have this much, but you want, you want more. We all, every single day, have got to peel ourselves out of comfortability and pull ourselves to a place of hunger. And sometimes we have to ask to be hungry. Watch this. When Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he, he goes through several different things. But one of the key lines is it says, when you pray, say, Lead me not into temptation. This is saying, God, help me to not be tempted because I know me. If, if I were a fish in a pond, I wouldn't last a minute. Because as soon as that shiny thing came, I would bite that thing. And in life, Jesus is saying, just say, lead me not into temptation. Push ourselves over there. So if you're taking notes, I just want to close on these last few thoughts. Number one is to passionately pursue the presence of God. I, I like what Pastor Bettinger said a couple of weeks ago. He said, if, if you don't feel like praying, then pray till you feel like it. <laughs> it's kind of like learning to like salads. And then after you do it a few minutes, how many people here love salads? I love salads. Here's the deal. You crave your diet. If you crave, if you are feeding on junk, 
when you get hungry, you will want junk. If you are feeding on healthy food, you, when you get hungry, you'll want healthy food. But there has to be a point in you where you say, I don't ask myself what I feel like doing. I tell myself what I'm going to be doing. Passionately pursuing the presence of God. How many times have we all come to church when we felt like sleeping in? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I'm going. This is what I do. I'm going to worship. I don't know the names of the songs, but that's not the prerequisite. And then here's the other one. Number two, the spokesman for Christ. The first response that we have is to passionately pursue the presence of God. The second response that we have is to be a spokesman. Now, when we see people around us, people that we live life with, are we comfortable in our salvation? We know we're going to heaven, so we're comfortable. We don't invite people to church. We don't talk about it. I pray that we are never comfortable. We're never, ever, ever comfortable. Amen. Last Wednesday night after church, it was a phenomenal service, by the way. I, go to, I went to Chick-fil-A because God loves Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I want to honor God. So, have you had their chocolate chip cookie? We all know their sandwiches are good. We all know the, the waffle fries are anointed. But if you had, have you had their chocolate chip cookie? It's not a joke. It's like, and never mind. The fact that they're closed on Sunday, I feel like is overkill. Can't they open at 2.30? Can we, can we start a petition? All right, anyway. ADD is kicked in full-blown. I'm sorry. Thank you, Sarah. Dear God, thank you. Wednesday night, I go to Chick-fil-A. I'm about to turn on to Research Forest. There's a motorcycle in front of me. All of a sudden, he starts scooting his motorcycle back. And he looks at me, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, he didn't like my driving. First thought that crossed my mind. I'm about to be apologizing, so I roll the window down. I'm scared to death. And he goes, I don't know how to get home, and I left my phone. I'm new to this area. I don't know how to get home. Where's research? Where's, where's Woodlands Parkway? Where's this? Where's that? And I'm looking at him, and I'm, I'm reaching in my console looking for a church card. So I'm like, hey, how bad do you want to get home? <laughs> so I tell him, I handed it to him. By the way, are you here? He promised me he was going to come. But anyway, uh, I don't know if he's sitting here going, you don't tell my stories. But uh, I invited him to church. Here's the thing. I've invited more people to church this year than I did last year. And last year, I invited more people to church than I ever have before. Here's the reality. Our response to the last days, we personally can't ever be comfortable. But when it comes to saying, I love you so much, we can't get so caught up in our relationship with God that we forget 
what our responsibility is. Peter was standing on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Jesus did something awesome and allowed him to see a glimpse of heaven just for a second. He saw Elijah and Moses and Jesus, and he was like, oh my goodness, let's build three churches right here. And Jesus said, no, 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 we're going back down the mountain. We got people that we need to go talk to. There was a guy that was possessed with demons. Jesus healed him, and the guy that was possessed with demons said, Jesus, I love you so much. Just let me follow you around. He said, no, 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 you need to go back to your family and tell people about me. Here's the reality. Our responsibility is to never get comfortable in our personal relationship with God, but to never get comfortable into sharing why we are in the last days. We are in the last days. We are in. This is it. This is. This is it. This is it. 